if you got your Bible, uh, take it and, and run to, uh, maybe not run, just walk. Walk over to Matthew chapter 26. And uh, we're going to start at verse 36. Got some announcements here to, to make. And I have, usually I look over them, but I have not here. I know one thing, they got it wrote in a red ink pen up there. And it says, nine more cakes needed for ladies' banquet. So just uh, if, you, if you're good at making a cake, Debbie says she'll appreciate you bringing them one. So uh, just make that known that they need some more cakes. The Easter uh, Sunday service times is uh, Sunday morning. Uh, they will have the evening service will be moved to 7 a.m. for the sunrise service and then a light breakfast and then a the regular morning service and no, no service that night. So just keep that in mind. The, that ladies' banquet will be Friday the 21st, right here, 6.30 to 9. Uh, if you see the ticket table in the foyer for more details about that. Uh, life action's coming April 30th through May the 7th. So just uh, just go ahead and be right ready to, to be a part of that week. And, and, uh, and also to remind you that if you have an extra vehicle that you can lend out, They'd certainly like to have it. You can, let, you can get a hold of Trevor Nelson and let him, let him know if you have that. Uh, Vacation Bible School will be early this, this year, June the 5th. And also to remember that uh, care, care Center, please bring them, bring them here. Anything from the Care Center, you can deliver it there on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays when they're open there. Or if you can help and volunteer, they would certainly appreciate that. Uh, the men's prayer team will be meeting uh, Sunday. Uh, will not be meeting Sunday uh, due to the sunrise service, so just make a note of that. Buddy breaks will be May the 6th. So keep those things in mind, and uh, <clears throat> wow. This is a good week. This is a good time of the year, isn't it? Y'all going to have to get better than that. I ain't sit here and let y'all just waddle around and sleep on me, I can tell you. <laughs> Let's make a little bit of racket here, a little noise. It is good to know what we have in Christ Jesus. And we serve a living, risen Savior. The world thinks you're stupid to believe such a thing. Isn't that right? They think you're crazy. I'm so glad I'm crazy. Man, I am. Mm, 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 mm. Let's stand, if you will, in honor of reading God's Word, if you're able. <clears throat> Matthew 26, 36. <clears throat> it says, Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's Peter, James, and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply depressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh my God, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
Again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Father God, I just look to you right now and uh, pray, God, that you would take me and use me for your glory. Speak your, your word, your truth. And just, uh, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come and stir our hearts. And uh, it's just, a, it just, just to stir us afresh of, of what we have in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. What a Savior. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Tonight I, uh, I entitled this message, uh, Under Pressure. Under Pressure. And um, anybody here ever been under any pressure? Yeah. I think we all probably have felt pressed, pressed, squeezed. But I don't know if anyone's ever quite felt the pressure that the Lord Jesus Christ was feeling right here this night in that garden. And we're going to look at that tonight under pressure. Um, so we're going to go back and we're going to work our way through those verses that we just read. We'll start at verse 36. It says, Jesus uh, came with them uh, to a place called Gethsemane. And um, I, I was wondering about, uh, you hear a lot of times, the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, that's not actually in the Bible like that. But it was a garden. It was a garden. It's uh the the gospels that mention Gethsemane, um, they don't call it a garden, but in John, it 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 tells the same story, and it doesn't call it Gethsemane. It just says he go, he goes into a garden. So we put the two together. That's where we gave the the Garden of Gethsemane. And I thought, and you know. It, Y'all realize the Lord just don't do things and then look back and say, well, look, my goodness, that was a coincidence. There's a reason for everything. Things aren't just named, a name just because, well, that's just a good name. Guess what Gethsemane means? It's, a, from, it's an Aramaic word. It means oil press. If you notice, when he left, this is the night, this is the Last Supper has just concluded. It's dark. At sunrise, he will be being beaten. He knows that. He leaves Jerusalem, I think, goes through the Kidron Valley and up the, by the Mount of Olives and into this garden there. Stands to reason that there would be an olive press right there by the 
That's what it was for, to squeeze those olives and get every drop of oil there was out of it. He's being squeezed here. The Lord's being squeezed. And uh, I think that's so, so neat to me that that, uh, that name, you know, that, uh, that just means the, the oil press. And, um, and Jesus certainly, he certainly was feeling that pressure. And as we will see, and so when he gets there to this place, he knows what's, he knows what's going on and what's fixing to happen. And he tells and, uh, the disciples to sit down there, and then he goes over to, uh, over to pray. But verse 37, let's look at this. He doesn't go, he doesn't, when he, when he sets them all down and he's going to pray, he doesn't go, he doesn't go by self. He says, uh, Peter, James, and John, y'all go with me. You see it? He asked, he asked them to go with him. Um, he desired for his close friends to be near him at this time. Now, if Jesus had close friends that he wanted to be with him in difficult times, I think it's, uh, I think it's good that we have close friends that we can count on to be with us during difficult times. Amen? In other words, you've heard of me preach it here for years, and you don't ever, don't ever forget the fact that we need each other. Okay? You may look around and say, well, I, don't, I, I think probably I could get along without Joe Anderson. Oh, see, she says that a lot. Huh? No, folks, we... Uh, <laughs> We really do need each other. And, and another thing about that is, is that a lot of times you hear people in churches talk, talking about, well, you, you know, well, it's just uh, there's cliques in the church, you know, and this, this group here and that group, you know, and, and I ain't a part of a clique, you know, and talk about the cliques are not, aren't good. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that, I don't believe it, because I think God puts two or three or four people together to heap, you know, they bond together. They mesh together real well. You know, I, and I was thinking about it as I was thinking that in my mind. That I think about uh, Valerie and Cheryl and uh, Amy. Those three, you know, three musketeers. They just, you kind of always see them around together. Folks, let me tell you something. That ain't a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's good. And if you ain't got some of those, you need them. And if you're one of them that's running around talking about it, there's so many of them and I ain't a part of one of the cliques, well, let's look at you maybe. We need each other. You need to be together. Because when you come to certain times in this life, there's pressure times. There's times that you're going to want somebody that you can count on, if nothing else, if they just over there a little ways, just... You know, pray, be with me. This is a rough time. Right? Jesus the same way. Jesus the same way. Verse 37 says, And he took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. I think if you got a King James, it probably said heavy. Did it say heavy? Very heavy. Very heavy. 
Let's look at that. Joel just read this here about the man of sorrows. I want to read it, just two of these verses. It said, he is, the, and this is from the New King James. It says in Isaiah 53, 3 and 4, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. That sorrows right there, the word means in anguish. Anguish. The King James actually uses that word. and Sometimes it's grief. Sometimes it's pain. Here it's sorrow. That's where it's, that's, that's what it's going. It's, ta- it's hard. It's hard. And he's acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Did you know that sorrows there? That's the same word as the man of sorrows up there. The anguish. He's, ta- he's taking our anguish. There was no reason whatsoever for him to have to carry and bear this type of anguish. It was me. I was the problem. It was, that's what I had waiting on me. And had he not have done that, I'd bear my own sorrows. That's my sorrows that he's he's bearing because he's the man of sorrows. He's taking my sorrows. Boy, I tell you what, that makes me want to act crazy and just run around a little bit and say, thank you, hallelujah, what a savior. Amen? Yes. He's there because of me. Shame on me to think that I'm anything. Sometimes I just get too wound up. Man of sorrow, and we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. We thought there's something wrong with him. That's what they were saying. God didn't like him. But it said he was heavy or... Deeply distressed. He's a man of sorrow in anguish, but that in that heavy, the word actually was to be in distress, but it's in distress of mind. This is a mental anguish. There probably ain't anything any worse than mental anguish. That's torment. That's torment. And you know what? When you talk about mental, how long do you reckon he had been knowing this? That's exactly right. He knew. He knew what was waiting. And I think it had been on his mind. I, I know John 12, 27. This is after he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. He was hanging out there in Bethany, which ain't very far from right there, this garden. And he was with Bethany there, and the people was coming around, and it was right during all of this time. It was just after he had raised Lazarus. I mean, and he was fixing to make that triumphal entry. And he was talking, and he just, saw, he just started saying this. This hour... He says, now is my soul troubled. My soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He knew, he knew what about a week, what it awaited him. He said, save me from this hour. But he said, but for this cause, I came to this hour. This is what I came for. It's kind of hard for me to say. It's kind of hard for me to back up and say, well, I don't think I'm going to do it. That's what I came for. That's the reason I'm here. I came for this. Man, when you stop and think about that, and he knew it when he left the glories of heaven. Hallelujah, what a Savior, huh? Hallelujah, what a Savior. That's the one that loves you. Do you know him? That's what matters most of all. Do you know him for who he is? So I just put, you know, this probably been weighing on his mind for quite a few days. He knew 
He knew what was happening. But then verse 38, he goes on. He said, then he said to them, my soul is exceeding, exceeding sorrowful. You can just feel. I mean, think about this. I'm sure these disciples have never seen him acting like this. They've never seen him. My soul is exceeding sorrowful. The exceeding sorrowful, it means the, the, the word, when you put the two of them together, the exceeding and sorrowful, the word exceeding is the, a word where we get uh, peripheral or like periscope. It's around, all around, the, the, surround, the surrounding. So basically what he's saying here is that, I, that I'm grieved all around. <laughs> you know, I, I, you ever said, man, I heard all over. I grieved all around. It's just, I'm, 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 I'm overwhelmed. I'm, over, I'm being engulfed in grief. I'm being, I'm being Gethsemaneed. I'm being pressed. I am being pressed. I just want to, if it's some small way, if we can just sense, sense what he's going through. And not only what he's, <laughs> and here, what he is going through that he doesn't have to and that he could stop at any time he wanted to. Now that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. I got to move on. It's, it's, it's good. This is good, good stuff. <clears throat> then he tells them when he said, uh, I'm exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. You know, <laughs> I thought as I read that, and, it, and what he's saying is this, this pressure, this is, is about to kill me. Take my <laughs> fleshly life, it's about to kill me. You know, there's many times we've said, you know, I... You know, I just I got scared to death. Well, we didn't really die, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, when, when Jesus says it, but what it, what what we're saying is, it was it was rough. Okay, I was it was something I just it, it, you just I thought it was I thought I was going to die, and that's what he's saying. I'm I'm exceedingly sorry, even to death. Stay here and watch. And watch with me. That word "watch" is used a lot, <clears throat> and I the reason in in, in and I read First Peter five eight because that's one of them where it is. Be sober, be vigilant. That vigilant same word as watch, the same Greek word. Be sober, be vigilant. Watch because why? Because your your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. See, you watch because you, you need to watch. Don't be stupid. Don't lay around half asleep. If you got an enemy, and right? Watch. In other words, what you need to do, you, you need to understand, you need to understand the gravity and the seriousness <coughs> of the moment and the situation. It's the same word that says, watch because you know not what hour <coughs> that your Lord returns. That's grave. That means... You need to be paying attention to this. There's something happening here. These, these disciples, they don't see that yet. They don't, he knows. He knows what's just fixing to happen. They don't see it. They don't know, but he's telling them. 
to watch and watch with him. Later on, he would tell them to watch and pray. He said, and he went a little further, and he fell on his face after he tells them to stay here and watch with me. And, he walked, and folks, <clears throat> have you ever seen anybody just fall on their face? You may have been one. I believe when he said he fell on his face, I believe that's the I believe he just fell under the weight of the pressure. <clears throat> I've been, I've, I've felt that kind of stuff in my, in my life. Just, you know, you just fall down and cry. You cry to the Lord. You just cry to the Lord. That's <laughs> all you can do. You just cry to the Lord. That's what he did. You sense this anguish. And he's crying and he falls here to the Lord. And he's praying and he's saying, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, right here, I threw this in and y'all probably going to think that you know, oh, Eddie's a lot sharper than I thought he was. So I'm just going to throw this out. <clears throat> Joel's going to keep me straight if I get out of line. Have y'all ever heard of the hypostatic union? Have you ever heard of that, Joel? Hypostatic union. <clears throat> well, I'm going to explain it to you. <clears throat> Sometimes I, y'all want to run me off. Just get me out of here. That's the doctrine that Jesus was 100% all God and 100% all human man. That's what it is. You say, well, what's that? That's a very important doctrine. That's the way you need to see it. That's who he is. He wasn't a little bit God and a little bit man or uh, three-quarters God and a quarter man, or three-quarters man and a quarter God. It's the, the nature, his nature. He's the, he's the only man that had this, this, this two nature, two complete two natures, one that was 100% human, so that he could, like Joel teaches in Hebrews, he is a high priest who knows how we feel. 100% he knows how. He got tired like I get tired. He got thirsty like we get thirsty because he was all, he was just like us. But he was 100% all God. I threw that out there because, let me tell you, when he's saying, as if, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, that's the 100% man. I don't want to go. No more than I would have wanted to go. You got to see that. You need to know that. He hurt like you would hurt. He didn't let the divine kick in there and just lift that off of him where he didn't feel it. No, he was 100%. Does that make sense now? Hypostatic union. I think it's good. I think it's right. So right here, that was his humanity. And I just wrote this down. His humanity... His humanity, the flesh, it wanted no part of the pain, the agony, or the suffering that lay ahead. That's just, that's, that's just the way the flesh is. We don't. But he was divine. He was holy. He was God. And in his holiness side of it, right here in this garden, there was the God-man, Jesus. Be thankful that he is because that's the only reason that I can be in Christ, and if I'm in Christ, I can be in God. 
You don't get, you don't get to God without being in Christ because ain't nobody else that's got the human and the God 100% in one package. Are you in Christ? Boy, howdy. I just come. That's good. Because I just, I just know that I am. I know that I am, and I hope that you know that you are. And if you're here tonight, get it right if you ain't. But His holiness, this was the hour when the holiness of God would meet the sinfulness and the unholiness of a rebellious and a fallen world and would prevail. Amen. That's the God. It would. Sure would. And then I broke these things down here. I think these are good. Listen. Man's sinful condition, mine, yours, our sinful condition was so serious that only God's personal intervention could atone for it. God had to in Jesus, this God-man. There's no other way to get sin taken care of. You can't do anything to take care of it. That's the reason it's so important that you know that Jesus did. You believe it with all your heart for by faith are you saved. Yes. Faith in, in what in that man Jesus. Wow, there's the only one that could straighten it out. The one, only one that could repair it. The only one that could atone for it was this, this God man. I like this. Jesus. Jesus would endure the wrath of God so I could be spared the wrath of God. Amen. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Maybe we can all take that home with us tonight. Hallelujah. What a Savior. He did it for me. Woo, he did it for me and Joe. Me and Joe. We special folk. Man. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And I love this one. He would experience separation from God to allow me to experience fellowship with God. Amen? Hallelujah. What a Savior. I can have fellowship with God. Why? Because of Him. In Christ. You're not going to have it anywhere other place because there's only one place where the human and the God come together. It's Jesus. It's in Christ. That, makes, that kind of makes sense. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Gethsemane's prayer was love's agony in the face of sin. All of this was because of love. And I say that, and I say it in two ways. And I always love to say it because he was there because he loved me. Okay, he loved me. But I want want you to understand this. He was there because he loved the Father. Because he's saying, help me get out of this. And the father said, can't do it. You see, do you, you see what I'm saying? So his love for the father says, all right, I'll do it. Whew. Man, man, man. There's some powerful love happening in that garden. 
It's a love he had for the Father to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was for him to give his life and suffer all the stuff that I would suffer so that I could have fellowship. Not gracious. Boy, that is some kind of good. Somebody just say amen. amen. That's all you got to do. It'll make you feel better. If you just let an amen out every now and then, it just makes you feel so good. He's worthy. He's worthy. Mm-mm-mm. I love that. <clears throat> yeah, I got, I got a little time. The next part we move in here. In verse 40, he comes back after praying that, Lord, uh, if you can, help me out here. Take, take this cup from me. Says it says, then he came to the, his disciples. He found them sleeping and said, what, could you not watch with me one hour? He said, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he came and found them asleep. He went and done the same thing. Prayed again. This time, uh, if the cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. He's already moving that way. But as we look at that, <clears throat> and I thought and think about this temptation, he's told them to watch and pray. And I already mentioned that the, the watching is because there's, there's something that you ought to be aware of that's grave. That's, that's what that's about, to watch. You have, a, you have a, an enemy, the roaring lion. You know, be vigilant. Watch, very same thing. Watch, but he also says to pray. He's praying. I kind of reckon if he's praying, maybe I need to pray too. I mean, especially, he, he told him, I pray, but, but they're, they're sleepy. Uh, folks, let me tell you. <clears throat> I believe if they fully understood the, gra- the graveness of the moment, <laughs> they, wouldn't be a, they, they wouldn't been sleeping. They'd been praying. They'd been praying. And so a lot of times I'm thinking, uh, a lot of times what, what hinders our prayer life is the urgency of the hour. We don't really see a great need. Okay. And that's the reason whenever we find ourselves in pressure, uh, then we see a great need. And we'll start, start praying. But the Lord's already said, pray. One reason, you pray because you got an enemy. Hey, you, that, he's telling that. He's telling us that. Hey, did you know Jesus had an enemy? Did you know right now while he's praying, that enemy is awake? Did you know that enemy's over there wheeling and dealing, making a, making a little money on the side? And using those people, the enemy, to come against him. You have an enemy. We have an enemy today. He's still there. Still, still loves to mess up stuff. Still cause trouble, turmoil. You know, folks, listen to me. If you watch the news any in the past few, past week or so, you've seen little old tiny young ones stood up on the back of a truck and watered down trying to get sarin gas off of them. Folks, that's evil. That's Satan. He don't care. He don't care. That's what he does. We have an enemy. He's the God of this world. I'm saved, born again, child of God, on my way to heaven. I know why my, all my trust is in that God-man Jesus. I know that. 
But here in this world, he has left us something telling us, you pray, watch what's going on. Pray for, you. pray for your family, my good gracious alive. Pray for your children. Pray that they'll come to know the Lord. Pray God will just get them, protect them, draw them to him. That, can you do that? Well, you can do that. Should you do that or do you want to just sleep? By the way, I preach to myself real good. All right? I do. That's just truth. That's truth. Until, until I'm in the presence of the Holy God and all of this is past, I need to heed this word. I need to heed this word. So <clears throat> he also said... <coughs> Now listen to me, this is, <coughs> I didn't read verses 31 through 35. That's where Jesus is telling them what fixing happened to him. And that's when Peter says, well, you know, I don't know about the rest of these fellows, but you can count on me. I'll be with you till death. Okay, I'm just going to stand up and say it. And uh, Jesus said, well, Peter, uh, you're probably, you're going to deny me. Uh, three times before uh, daylight in the morning before the rooster curse. He said, oh, I know. I, I, they might, I, I'm not going to. And it, it went on to say, let's see what the last part was. It said, uh, Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. That's verse 35, I think. And so said all the disciples. They all, they all bowed up big. Think, you know, <clears throat> confidence in self. Man, they, the Lord knew he knew they needed to be praying. They didn't know what was fixing to hit them. Said so the Spirit's willing. That <clears throat> what they were just saying was their spirit was willing. That's what they, they wanted. But you know what? What was weak? <laughs> the flesh. What was weak with, God, with Jesus right there? What was weak? He knew what he was talking about right then when he said the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. I know what it's like when your flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. I'm crying to get out of this. But you know what? He knew that I, I can't fail. If I fail, everybody loses. Hey, these, these disciples were going to fail. Jesus couldn't afford to. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I can't fail. They, they don't have any hope without me. Man, just hug him and tell him you love him. Mm-mm-mm. While I was in, and I, I put that, I just wrote this down. While his enemies were awake, his friends were asleep. Wow. You know, we're just flesh. We need each other. But folks, we can let one another down. But we need each other. We love each other. Hey, the Spirit's willing. We may love, but this old flesh is weak. Did you know it still is? <laughs> the flesh is still weak. Still weak. I wrote this down. <clears throat> are, are we asleep? Number two, remember here, the enemy is still awake. Okay? That's the reason Peter's telling us, be sober and be vigilant. And not only that, the flesh is still weak. The flesh is still weak. That's where we, that's where we are. You know? 
before I close out here, <clears throat> Christ, this time of pressure in the, in, in, the, in the Gethsemane, the old press, the old press. He models, Christ models for us in Gethsemane how to overcome our struggles and be victorious, even, though in, the, even in this flesh. How, how you do it, you fall on your face and you cry out to God. That's it. That's what you do. That's what you do. And I just put down here, if we are to be victorious in the pressures of this life, and this life brings them, okay? We know that. <clears throat> We're going to have to surrender to thy will be done. You'll walk, you'll walk out. When you, when you yield and surrender to the will of God, you will walk out of that pressure victorious. Amen. Every time. Every time. So I just wrote this down just to kind of re- put it all in. <clears throat> Life's times of pressure should send us on our face crying unto God until we can say from our heart, not my will, but thine be done. You walk out victorious. That's victorious. That's what Christ did. That's what he did. <clears throat> but folks, we talk about this garden of Gethsemane. I run across something I thought was very interesting. There was another garden. It started way back over there in Genesis. Did you know that? There was a garden there. There's a garden here. Hmm. Listen to this. In the Garden of Eden, <clears throat> Adam hid himself from God. Right? But in the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ is agonizing before God. Crying out to God. And see, in the, in the Garden of Eden, man lost his right to live. You lost the right to live. Sin came in. And it's in a garden when Christ gained his right to resurrection. It was right there on his face when it was one. Had the, had the flesh won? Wouldn't have been that way. But he walked out. I think first and foremost because of his love for the Father that he would be obedient to do what the Father wanted because of the love of God for us. <clears throat> now listen to this. Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden and he learned about disobedience and its consequences. Amen? But the second Adam, that's Jesus, he voluntarily went to a garden, a garden of Gethsemane, and he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Does that sound like the word of God? You ever heard that before? 
just in case you ain't going to read it to you. Hebrews 5, 7 says, who in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. One out. First Adam, he learned all about disobedience and its consequences. This second, this second Adam is learning how to turn that back. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Praise God. Amen. It was a Garden of Eden, but thank God for a Garden of Gethsemane. There's where a... <clears throat> There's where a natural battle was fought. Put this here. The victory was won in the Garden of Gethsemane because Christ, he departs victorious. He's going to the cross. <laughs> He's going to the cross. The actual defeat of Satan was not accomplished until Calvary. But the battle was won in the Garden Satan was defeated on Calvary. Amen? Amen. Yes. The two gardens. But, George, you can slip right on up here. Hallelujah. What a Savior. But John chapter 19. <clears throat> I just I just decided to throw this in. There's another garden. Another garden. As a matter of fact, Sunday morning, we're going to all gather up in that garden. Because in that garden was what's known as the garden tomb. Because he was placed in a garden. Then they took Jesus. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with spices and the, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. It's John 19.40. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the tomb just happened to be nearby. You think it just happened to be? They said, you know, we, we got, we're doing this dirty work and we got to get this done before the Passover starts. We got to get him. We got to get rid of that. And there's a, there's a tomb. It just happens to be right here close. And that's where we're going. He's going to go there. It just happened to belong to one of them guys that had already believed that he was who he said he was. That Joseph of Arimathea that had the tomb. But it just happened to be right there. It's in a garden. Where he walked out, it was in a garden where Mary Magdalene saw him, thought he was a gardener. Remember that? Because he was in the garden. Wow. And then we can sing. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a good, you can sing that I come to the garden alone. Amen? Because that's where he is. He, he, he's alive and well in that garden. So folks, Sunday morning, I won't be here, but I'll be doing the same thing y'all doing at, the, at sunrise. I'll be at the garden and I'll be celebrating 
our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all with me on that? Y'all going to be here at sunrise? Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's stand if you will. Joel will lead us in that song he sung as we opened up if he hadn't changed his mind. So you know, it's just it's, it's great, great. Mm.